Good morning. Um, I think all of us have probably made a poor decision in our life. Uh, some of us maybe more than others. Let me share with you one time of the few that I have done that. I, uh, when Christine and I were in college, we were dating, and I went to Lebanon for about two months, uh, serving Jesus, on mission, doing the, God, the Lord's good work, right? But when you're dating, it's sad when you're apart. And uh, I had in my mind, let's make sense in a second while I'm telling you this, I had in my mind that it wasn't as bad as it, like it, it could have been because, you know, I was in a different part of the world, 24 hours in the day, let's just divide up evenly. Let's say you sleep for eight hours, so Christina sleeps for eight of those 24 hours, I sleep for another eight of those 20 hour, 24 hours, so there's really only eight hours where we're both awake and like sad that we like can't talk that much, and so I was like, it's not that big of a deal, it's only eight hours a day, like, you know, we'll get through it. Uh, so I come home, and I think after I came back, you know, it's like, oh, what's up, baby? Miss you so much. Love you. I think it was the first time I mentioned, like, talk, this whole marriage talk thing, and I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm back. A couple days after getting back, though, instead of progressing the way that I would have thought it would have, she dumps me. Um, and apparently, if you go two months and don't call your girlfriend, that's a bad thing. And so in my defense, calling cards were expensive, so I emailed her a lot, but that is not, apparently not good enough. So guys... Don't do that, and for more tips, come to our marriage event in a couple weeks, okay? But that was, that was a bad thing. I, sh- I probably should have called her, like, definitely, Dylan. Um, anyway, so I didn't do that, and that was a poor decision on my part, right? But we've all done that, right? We've all made decisions. We're like, yeah, probably shouldn't have done that. And so I want to begin with this question as we continue our series this morning, this question. Um, are you a fool? Are you a fool? Now, you may be like, Dylan, it's church. That's mean. You're not supposed to say that. But even more than that, here's my assumption that we all think when we hear this question— most of us, if not all of us, I think all of us would probably say, I've done some things that are foolish, of course, who hasn't, I've made some bad decisions. But generally speaking, I'm not a fool. That's, other people are fools. I'm, I'm a good person for the most part. I try hard. Like, I'm not a foolish person. And my goal this morning is to show you that, that maybe you and I should not answer this question as confidently as we do. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it, or there's a black one around you. Maybe you've got an app on your phone. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, we're in a series called Masterclass that we began earlier this year. We're looking at uh, 1 Corinthians, written by this guy by the name of Paul. Uh, within 20 years of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he's writing uh, this book to a church in Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece. Uh, they had a lot of issues, and uh, it's really relevant to us. And so really, this book is kind of a masterclass on life, showing us how the gospel, how Jesus impacts every area of our life. Now, to get you up to speed real quick, two, year, two weeks ago when we started chapter 3, we talked about how um, if you want to grow closer to Jesus, that you and I need to be doing something about it. So Paul was frustrated with the Corinthian church because they had not grown spiritually, because they had not done anything in their life to help them grow spiritually. So we talked about why that's important. And then last week, if you were here, we, were ta- we talked about how God's temple is the church, and that all of us have a part to play in uh, expanding and, and playing a part in God's kingdom. We all have something that we can do. And so Paul is writing to these Corinthian believers, encouraging them to grow closer to Jesus, encouraging them to play their small role in God's kingdom. And then he continues by saying this, chapter 3, verse 18. He says, let no one deceive himself. Now, question for you, have you ever deceived yourself? The answer to that question is yes. And let me give you a lighthearted story to illustrate this for you. Um, uh, I heard this a few years ago. Uh, it's a story about this guy by the name of Jose Rivera. Jose Rivera was going through a bunch of banks and small towns in Texas and stealing money from them. And eventually he steals enough money from enough banks and he goes back across the uh, border to Mexico, thinking he's safe and in the clear. Well, this big Mexican sheriff, you know, stereotypical, big, gir- think me, like plus 200 pounds, you know, that's probably, that's what, right? Everything's bigger in Texas, including the sheriff. And so he's like, I'm going to get the money back. And so he goes down to Mexico and starts 
kind of this investigation to find Jose Rivera. And so after a few days, he ends up into the, in the town where he thinks Jose Rivera is. It's the middle of the day, it's hot outside, and he walks in, and he, he walks up to the bartender, and he says, uh, uh, my name, I'm the sheriff, I'm looking for Jose Rivera, have you seen him? And the bartender looks up at him and says, uh, as a matter of fact, I have, and he's sitting right over there. And the sheriff says, good, he's wanted for stealing a bunch of money from a bunch of banks. I'm here to arrest him. Uh, and so he goes over them, but the, but the bartender says, but you should know he doesn't speak any English. And the sheriff says, well, you do, so let's go. And so he brings the bartender over with him, walks up to Jose Rivera, and the, and the sheriff says, ask him if he's Jose Rivera. So the bartender says, this guy wants to know if you're Jose Rivera. He says, I am, what's it to you? And so the bartender says, he is, what's it to you? And the sheriff says, tell him this, I'm here from Texas. I know that you've been stealing a bunch of money and valuables, and I want you to tell me where they are. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to tell me right now exactly where I can find all the stuff that you've taken. And if not, I am going to shoot to kill. Those are your options. If you do tell me, I will let you go. I will not arrest you. Everything will be fine. But if you don't tell me, you're going to die. And so the bartender uh, says this to Jose Rivera, and as Jose Rivera is listening, he begins to get nervous, and he's sitting there, and he's like, okay, 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 I'll tell him where it is, just tell him to let me go. And so he tells the bartender, tell the sheriff to leave the bar, take a right, drive a mile. About a mile, he'll see a very, a very large water tower. Next to the water tower, there's a tree. In between the water tower and the tree, if he digs three feet, he'll find a uh, cement encasement. If he busts that open, he'll find most of the money and the pearls and the valuables there. And so as he's sharing the story, the bartender's listening, and the bartender eventually says, here's what Jose Rivera says. Jose Rivera says, Jose Rivera says, go ahead and shoot. <laughs> now, why is that funny? To so some of you, like, I don't get it. Here's why this is funny, right? Here's why this is funny. Uh, when the truth doesn't serve your purposes, all of the sudden, truth doesn't matter. Does that, is, that, that's not, that, is that not true in your life? Like, think of the decisions that you've made, and you made them not because you didn't know what the right decision was, but you made the wrong decision, but you wanted to justify it. All of a sudden, truth doesn't matter if it doesn't serve our purposes. The deal, here's the deal, is that we can all be deceived. We can all, oftentimes, we can justify and deceive ourselves when we know things aren't true, aren't right, because we want to get something that maybe we shouldn't be doing or shouldn't be getting. And so here's what I want us to know this morning as we look at this text. Here's what I want us to know, that we are easily fooled. You and I are easily fooled. And the funny thing about this is oftentimes when we are fooled, it's not because we didn't know any better. It's because we knowingly deceived ourselves or justified ourselves into doing something that we know we shouldn't be doing. So we just need to know as we get, up, get ready this morning that we are easily fooled. And so again, Paul says this, because of that, let no one deceive himself. If anyone amongst you thinks he is wise in this age or in this life, let him become a fool so that he, be so that he can become Wise. Here's what Paul is saying. He's not saying be a fool or act a fool or do foolish things. What he's saying is this, that you and I need to be sensible to our own foolishness and to our own ignorance, to our own deception, to our own ability to justify things that we know we shouldn't be doing. Because what is a fool, right? A fool is someone who lacks wisdom and understanding and does foolish things. Uh, and so what Paul is telling us is to recognize the fact that we are foolish, that we can be foolish, and when we do that, that will actually lead us to wisdom, because we will humble ourselves and we will make sure we are making the right decisions. So again, uh, be, we, we need to understand that we are fools, 
because we can make poor decisions. And here's why, uh, let me put it another way, here's why it's important for us to know that we can be fooled and why we need to be careful when we make decisions. Uh, Because humility leads to wisdom, right? So if we live a life where we are open and honest about our uh, ability to ourselves, that we can make bad decisions, oftentimes what happens is when we make poor decisions, it's not because we didn't know any better, because it was in our arrogance that we chose to do what we know we shouldn't have done. But if you are humble, if you understand that you can be a fool, oftentimes you will make better decisions. So you can think about, think about it this way. Uh, think of the wisest people that you know, the wisest people that you know. What's interesting about the wisest people that you know, I, my bet is that you would also characterize them as some of the most humble people that you know, which is kind of ironic, right? Because they're wise, they might be successful in their area of business, or they might be good at, really good at something, and so they're really wise, but at the same time, they're very humble. It seems to be that those things go together. And what Paul is telling us here is that you want God's wisdom in your life that is found not only in living a humble life, but humbly seeking Him. Humbly seeking Him. And so if we continue uh, in the text, it says this, uh, verse 19. Uh, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God, or foolishness with God. So if you've been here for Masterclass, you know we've been talking about this idea that the world thought it was kind of foolish for God if he is all-powerful and wise and strong and all these things. Why would he then send Jesus to die on a cross? That seems weak. That seems foolish, right? And so what we see here is that the power of God is found in things that the world would say is foolish because the world would say, you make yourself, you do your own thing, don't let anyone tell you what to do, you don't need any help. And what the gospel says is that, no, you and I are broken people in need of grace, in need of forgiveness, right? And so he's telling us here uh, that you should, you think you're wise, you think you're wise in the world, but if you actually want God, if you actually want to grow in a relationship with him, uh, then you need to understand what the world thinks is wise is actually foolish compared to God. Why? Because God is infinitely more wise and knowledgeable than us, right? Even if you're not quite sure about this Jesus thing, all of us would, would posit that if God does exist, he probably knows more than we do, right? Because he created all these things. He's probably uh, more, much more wise and knowledgeable and smart than we are. And so if that's true, if he is, does exist and he knows more than we do and he created us and he knows what it takes to live a fulfilled life, then, then we ought to be seeking him instead of our own wisdom or our own guidance, right? If we actually want to grow in wisdom, it probably means that we need to seek him. And here's why. Here's why uh, we need to understand that humility leads to wisdom, why we need to know that we can be foolish. Here's why. Because our foolishness will either lead us toward God or away from Him. The thing is, all of us are fools. Like, it's not like some of us are fools or some of us are not fools. All of us are fools. It's just we need to know that it's our foolishness that will lead us toward him or away from him. How? Right? If we understand that we need help, that we need grace, that we need forgiveness, that God loves us and cares for us, and we understand that we do not know everything, then it is our foolishness that will lead us to follow and trust in him. On the other side of the coin, if we think we don't need any help, if we think we have everything figured out, if we think we are good on our own, our foolishness will turn into arrogance, and that will lead us away from Him. Again, our foolishness, which we all are fools, will either lead us toward God or away from God. The question is, what are you going to do with the fact that you are a fool? Are you going to, do, do, are you going to use it to grow closer to Him or further Away. And so if we continue uh, by saying this, I'll read verse 19 again. So again, for the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. And here's why. Since it is written, he's going uh, to reference two verses in the Old Testament here. He says, he, talking about God, catches the wise in their craftiness. Um, and again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise 
are futile. Here's what's happening, that Paul is using these verses uh, to, to show us why the beginning of verse 19 is true. Again, for the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. Here's the thing, in our, us in our own strength, again, we don't know as much as God, we're not as wise as God, we're not as knowledgeable as God. And so what this means is this, that again, there's no comparison be- between our wisdom and God's wisdom, which means if God exists and the Bible is true and Jesus is who he says he is, then we should be, ex- not only should we be expect, but we should be okay with Scripture and God doing things and saying things that don't always make sense to us. We should know, be ex- uh, expect, and okay with Scripture challenging us in things when we're not quite sure, God, why would you do it this way? Right? We should expect that. That shouldn't be a thing that throws us off. That shouldn't be a thing where we find something that we're not quite sure we believe or like and then automatically say it's wrong or is not true, it should challenge us. Or to put it a different way, you can think of it this way, that there is a difference uh, between uh, questioning God humbly and questioning God arrogantly. Here's the thing. We all question God. That's not a problem at all. But think of it this way. Let's say something terrible happens in your life. You can question God in two different postures, humbly or arrogantly. The humble position would say this, God, why does this happen? I don't understand. I don't see it. I don't understand. If you love me, like why? Kind of a humble, like God, just reveal it to me. I'm going to trust you, but I just need your help to walk through this situation. I don't understand, but God, why did this happen? I'm going to follow you in the midst of it. Or we can question God arrogantly, and we could say, God, why does this happen? But we can say it in a way that means because this happened, and I can't think of a good reason for it, it must mean that you don't exist, or that you don't love me, or that you're not good. But you see the difference there, that we can question God, all of us question God, that is a perfectly normal thing to do, but we can do it humbly, or we can do it arrogantly. And based on how we face God in the midst of stuff that we don't know, will kind of show us, or reveal to us, the path we're going to take. Or put another way, that humbleness leads to wisdom, but arrogance leads to foolishness, right? Again, think of all the times that you have made a bad decision. Oftentimes, you knew what the right decision was, but in your arrogance and your d- desire to get what you want, you justify it, and so you made a bad decision. If you want to grow in wisdom, if you want to go closer to Jesus, then we have to humble ourselves instead of arrogantly thinking that we know everything and that we don't need any help. I, I, I like a, I'm going to read a, a verse real quick. It won't be on the screen. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, if you're familiar with this story, Adam and Eve, God creates the world and it is good, and then Satan in the form of a serpent comes to Adam and Eve to try to deceive them, right? And he says, it says this, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Now what's interesting here, when it says that the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals, some translations say cunning, some translations say uh, crafty, whatever it is, uh, the word there in Hebrew is aram. And, and aram means smart, quick on your feet. It could be translated as wise. And what this text is saying to us is that Satan did not tempt Adam and Eve to make a bad decision because he didn't know any better. He knew better. In fact, every other time Aram is used in the Old Testament, it is always used in a positive sense, which shows us that Satan knew right from wrong. He knows what's good. He knows what's bad. But it is in his arrogance that he tempted Adam and Eve to make a decision that they know they shouldn't have made. Again, all of us often know what is right and what is wrong. The question is, are we going to do good with what we know is true? And so if we continue in verse 21, Paul says this, says this, so let no one boast in human leaders. Here's what the problem with all this, if you've been here for Masterclass, is that the Corinthian church had, start, had started to elevate Paul who wrote this letter or Peter or Apollos, other Christian leaders. They started to elevate these guys and, and pledge their allegiance and their life to people and things 
instead of Jesus. And so it caused all this division and it caused all these problems. And what Paul is simply saying to this is, why would you give your life to a person or to a thing when Jesus has given, given you everything you need? How foolish it is of you to do that. And here's the thing. Have you ever done this? Like, have you ever given your life or pursued a person or a thing instead of Jesus and it goes poorly for you? The question is yes. Like, we, the, the question for this is for, for you is this. Like, what is it for you? Like, what is it for you uh, when you are not careful? Uh, will you uh, give your life to or follow to? And sometimes it's a good thing. Like sometimes it's like, I want to be successful in my job or I want to love my family well, but then you can give your life to it and it can cause problems. Or there's things that we shouldn't, like social media likes or making a ton of money or saying things about other people that we shouldn't say. Like there's all these things that we do because we give our life to things that are not good for us. And that's what Paul is reminding us, do not do that. And so here's what I want us to do instead. Here's what I think this text is telling us to do, and that's this that you and I should walk in wisdom, that we should walk in wisdom. Now, notice that I did not say uh, that we should grow in wisdom. I did not say that we need to attain more wisdom. I said that we need to walk in wisdom. Why? Here's why. Put it another way that maybe makes more sense. Uh, That wisdom is often more about doing what you know is right than knowing what is right. I'll say that again. Wisdom is often more about doing what you know is right than knowing what is right. I remember when I was a kid, I would get frustrated. I was like 12 or 13 years old. I watched Sports Center all the time, and they talk about college athletes or even professional athletes that were still in like their early 20s making bad decisions, like drinking too much, drugs, you know, getting in trouble. And they always talk about how like their kids and you know all these sorts of things. And I used to be so frustrated. I'm like, I am 12 years old, and I know what they should. I know what they did was wrong. Like, let's not. Ex- the problem is not knowing what they should do or not do. The problem is doing it. They know. We know. Again, think of most of the poor decisions that you've made in your life. It's not because you didn't know the right thing. It's because you didn't do what you already knew. And so if you want to grow in wisdom, it starts by simply doing what you already know. Like you can walk out of here this morning and be uh, way more wise than when you walked in. And it's not because you learned a bunch more information. It's because you've decided, hey, I'm going to do the right thing, even if it's hard, even if it costs me something. Again, think of the wisest people in your life. It's not just that they know a lot, which they, they probably, they might know a lot, but it's because they do things that they know are good, right? They have the courage to do what is right. They do simple things like, hey, I'm going to have a budget, even though that's a, a struggle for many of us, or I'm going to love and forgive people, even though that's a struggle for many of us, or I'm going to be generous financially, even though that's a struggle for many of us, right? A lot of the times, the people that are the wisest people in our life, it's not because they just know a lot, it's because they do what is right, even when it's hard. And so again, wisdom for you and for me is often more about doing what you know than knowing what to do. And if you do what you know, eventually you will know more about what to do. Again, so again, that's what Paul is telling us. And what I I really want us to know this morning is that this is something that you can do. I don't want us to think of wisdom as some ethereal thing that I can't quite grasp. Wisdom is something that you and I have in all of us. The question is, are we going to uh, live it out? And so again, we'll read verse 21. Paul says this. So let no one boast in human leaders. And here's why. For everything is yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, he's talking about these Christian leaders there, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, everything is yours. And so what Paul is saying here is this. 
Why would you give your life to people and things when in Christ that you will ultimately have everything you want and everything you need? And if we do that, if we give our lives to people and things that cannot give us grace, forgiveness, power, uh, cannot do for us what God can do for us, that is a foolish thing to do, and we are going to miss out on all that God has for us. I Think of it this way. I've shared this before, um, but when I was growing up, uh, my grandmother, who's a fabulous uh, cook, she would always have a dessert table out for Christmas and Easter. And the dessert table is great, right? That's a good thing. It's lots of stuff like peanut butter balls and cookies and like some of it's homemade, Rice Krispies, some of it's store-bought, but it's all this great stuff, right? And when I was a kid, I had not quite uh, learned that when you eat a lot of stuff, then you're not hungry, right? And the thing was, Thanksgiving and Christmas, the best meals that I would have all year, right, all year. And what I would do is I would oftentimes eat the snack table, the dessert table throughout the day. When it became, so finally, when it became time for dinner... I wasn't hungry, right? And so I, I traded a prime rib cooked medium because medium ware is bloody and medium well is burnt. Nobody wants that. Uh, baked potato, broccoli, roll. Like think of your best meal that you've ever had, right? I would get this once a year and I would trade that for an M&M because I couldn't stop eating off the stinking connect or steeple table, right? And here's the thing. As I've grown, I've learned, okay, I'm going to eat from the, the dessert table because those things are good, but the four or five hours before the meal, I'm not going to eat anything right, so that I can actually enjoy the meal, and then after, I'll eat it again. What am I doing there with the dessert table, right? I'm, I'm trading things that are good, you know, cookies, what's it good, for something that is great that I would only get once a year. That was a foolish thing for me to do. It reminds me of what C.S. Lewis, who's an author, you've, you might be familiar with him, he wrote it this way. He said, it would seem to me that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And listen to me, this is what happens every single time when we, not, when we don't make the wise decision. When we trade God and things that he's offered us for temporary pleasures, for things that maybe even feel good in the moment, we're trading mud pies for a vacation at the sea. We're trading what God has for us for temporary things that will not return to you what you are hoping they will. And so here is why you and I need to walk in wisdom. Here's why. Because wisdom isn't easy. Now, if you're an English major or whatever, you're like, wisdom's not a verb. I know wisdom's not a verb, but maybe it'll help you remember this. Here's the thing. I think we ought to think of wisdom more, of, more as a verb, right? Even, even in Proverbs in the Old Testament, what does it often say? The wise person does this, and the foolish person does this, right? It's often, again, it's more about what, doing what you know is right than knowing what is right. And it is not hard. It's not easy to walk in wisdom. And so we need to understand that so that we can do it. Again, you can walk out of here today and have a radically different life than you are currently living right now. And it's not because you learn a bunch more stuff. It's because you've decided, I'm going to walk in wisdom. It will not be easy, but it will be worth it. And to conclude these passages, or these passages I want to read 22 and 23 again to show us why this is so important. Again, uh, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the things of the world or life or death or things present or things to come, those things are not worth it. Why? Because everything is yours. Now, the question is, how is everything ours? Here's how. Because you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. You belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. In Jesus, 
Everything is yours. In other words, you get the grace and mercy and the forgiveness of Christ to one day live in his kingdom, not because you're a great person, not because you tried really hard, not because your good works outweighed your bad works, or you gave a lot of money, or you read your Bible every day, or you prayed every day. You've, it's not because of anything you did. It's all because of what Jesus has done for us. And so if we give our lives to Jesus and trust in Jesus, even as we fall short, even as we blow it, even as we sin, ultimately everything will be yours. And the question is, do you want to trade all of that for something temporary that cannot give you what you ultimately desire? So here's what I want us to know this morning, the main point of what we're reading in this text, and that's this, that choosing wisdom means choosing God. Here's the deal. You can be a wise person. You can be a good person. You can do all those things. But if you really want wisdom in your life, you have to choose the one who can actually give it to you. And what's so great about the gospel, that Jesus came, lived the life that we could not live, died the death that we deserve so that anyone can, who decides and desires to trust and follow in him gets God himself. The fact that we can even choose God is because God made that an option for us. And if you want to grow in wisdom uh, and grow in, in doing the right things and growing and knowing who God is, you have to choose him. Like, here's the deal. You can be a good person without Jesus you can be a morally good person in terms of the, even more so than the average person without Jesus. You can do all those things, but you cannot do and you cannot be everything God had for you to do and to be if you do not have him. If God knows everything, is supremely wise and loves us, then that ought to lead us to want to uh, desire and follow him because it is only in him can you be truly wise, can you be truly forgiven, and, and can you truly know what God has for you to do? And here's what's the great thing. As that oftentimes following Jesus, you have no idea in the moment what's going on. It's not until you look back later and see how God moved. And here's what I want us to know, that you can do this. Like this is not, wisdom is not some ethereal thing. Like following Jesus is not some like, kind of hard to grasp thing that only some people can do. Like literally choosing wisdom means choosing God and every single one of you can do this. How do I know? I mean, you did it today, right? You chose to come here. You made a simple decision to choose God, which hopefully will lead to other, lead you to make otherwise decisions. If you were here a few weeks ago, what did we do? We talked about doing, creating one easy habit every day, praying for one person, reading one Bible verse, doing whatever, whatever that was for you. And if you do that every day, even if it's something super small and super simple, what have you done? You've chosen wisdom that day. Or last week we talked about playing a part in God's kingdom and doing our part, our small part to see what God would do. Whenever you do that, every week, every month, every day, you're choosing wisdom that day. Like you and I have the ability to grow and walk in wisdom without even getting a bunch of information, without even memorizing all the Bible. You may feel like I don't know as much as the other person. Listen, you don't need that to be wise. You need to do the right thing and see what God will do in your life as you choose him over things of this world. And if you want more wisdom, if you want to see God move in your life, you have to choose him. And if you choose him, you will grow in wisdom. Again, the good news of the gospel is that God loves us so much that he came and he gave us that choice that we can choose God, even in the midst of blowing it, even in the midst of having doubts, even in the midst of not knowing everything, we can choose God, not because of us, but because of him. So as I said in the beginning this morning, are you a fool? I think we are more foolish than we often think that we are, but there is a way out. It's through choosing wisdom, and we choose wisdom by choosing Jesus. That is why Jesus came. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you that you came and gave us the ability to even have you as an option, that you loved us so much that you came and gave us the ability to know you to, be, to grow in you, to, to, uh, to, to, to experience your grace and your forgiveness. And again, this is all not because of us, it is because of you. And my prayer this morning is that we would take that seriously, 
that even though we stumble, even though we fall, even though we make bad decisions every day, that we would decide to choose you more because when we choose you, that's when we experience wisdom in our life. And so my prayer for us this morning is that we would see you for who you are, um, that we would experience you for who you are. If we're not sure about this Jesus thing or who you are, God, I pray that you would move powerfully um, in our lives and to know that you love us and you care for us right where we are. And for those of us that are following you, God, will we just be reminded uh, to choose you and may we have the courage to know that we can every single day. God, you give us the ability to love others, to forgive others, to give grace to others, to be generous towards others, because you first did it for us in Jesus. Uh, So thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. God, would you give us the ability to choose you, to choose your wisdom, to choose your vision instead of our own, and then may we see the fruit in our lives when you do what only you can do. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.